we go again, feeling ready to begin. Listen up, push play, and plug your headphones in. Another draft has come to pass. Now build your deck, ascend the ranks, let Jeff and Sean pitch in. Yeah, just let us pitch in. Help you out. That's why we're here. Yeah, yeah, shout. Let me hear you shout. Hey, hey, hey. Hello, everybody. Welcome back in. It's been a couple days since we've talked. Yeah, it's been. It's been a little while. Um, today we are together uh, coming, you, coming to you from Purple Elf Productions. Uh, that is PEP for short, in case you had ever wondered. Purple Elf Productions is bringing to you the show called Let's Draft. Uh, where, in case anybody, this might be your first time listening, this is where uh, Jeff and I, and Jeff is joining me today. Hi, Jeff. Hi. Where we talk about drafting, um, mainly on Magic the Arena. Um, But we also talk about other things, magic, and break off into all kinds of different subjects just because we are longtime friends. Um, Start on off the show, got a couple things I want to get out of the way. Just to start this off the right way, um, I want to remember George Floyd today. And so there you go. And then I also want to give you a little bit of an agenda for what you're about to listen to. Um, First and foremost, I'm going to give you some revealing insights into the M21 that I've been playing because I've still been playing and I'm still enjoying it. Um, I know a lot of people, at least in the community, our, our community are kind of uh, t- maybe tired of it is the right word or not enjoying it as much. Um, I can't really explain why. Maybe I've been more successful than I have in the past with this set. Maybe that's why. Um, but it, it's still fun to me. I, I enjoy the challenge of this set. That was a real nice way of saying scoreboard to everybody right there. <laughs> Um, no, not necessarily, but I, I, look, I can speak for majority of other sets being frustrated. So especially by this time when it kind of seems to kind of settle into its, what it is the norm, I should say about it. Um, and I think that the, some cards have moved up and down in value. And I want to talk a little bit about that and just kind of where I'm at with the color sets that I want to be in basically, um, and where I don't want to be. Um, and then you, the, the big news is that we are going to continue on with the uh, cube as well. Um, Jeff has been diving ever deeper into cube and, uh, completely finding it more and more fascinating. And so has more insights for our listeners to enjoy on, um, not on arena, but that will be back soon on MTGO, right? Yeah, I kind of felt like I owed it because in the last one, I kept saying, I kept referencing cards you would first pick, right. but kept saying that's for another podcast. Right. And I thought, you know what? Let's just do the other podcast, man. There it is. Let's just do the other podcast. Um, so I think for uh, time's sake and just for ease, I'm just going to jump right into M21 and let's get that out of the way. And then if there are people that are just here for that, they can just zip this thing up and go right on to their day. And then otherwise they can listen on and get some awesome insight into, into cube. And there's, there's a lot of things you can actually glean 
um, from doing cube drafts that are relative and, and relate directly to um, draft as well uh, that we do talk about. So you don't probably want to miss it. All right. Gruel. Um, I'm loving it. I'm loving Gruel. It, it seems to be the thing that if I want to get six or seven wins, I need to, and you know, getting a strong Gruel deck put together is key to that. Um, I know you had asked me once before about uh, Titanic growth and yes. I, I have come up on that card. I, I still, I don't, you know, I don't go crazy to pick it, but um, it is very good um, for a multitude of reasons uh, in this deck. Uh, anything with trample on it obviously is just really, really good. It does eliminate um, the red removal pretty well. Um, although I don't really like using it for that. It, it kind of seems well, not like you're getting two for one, but it just doesn't seem like a good use for it when it happens. Although I have done it. Really um, good during a, uh, like a double block. If yeah. you're tapped out or something like that. Yeah. If you can blow them out with like two for one in them that way with creatures, which is oftentimes what will end up happening because they'll have to do it and they don't have a choice. You've whittled them down with your bigger creatures and then it's kind of a finishing blow. Um, I think originally I thought that it seemed like in this set it was like, and especially in the Gruel deck, that it was kind of like a, I'm already winning card. And so I'm just going to more winning. Um, but it, it's just very versatile, I think is why I've come up on it. It's extremely versatile in this deck. Okay, uh, I got some questions. Okay. Since you've been playing it a lot. Does the Snare Spinner have any place in a deck like this? Any place? Um, you know, I, I would prefer not to have it. They're, um, obviously they're scorching dragonfire at two drop. The hobble fiend at two drop, um, is a much better choice. Um, but if you have to play a two, you can do it. A one, three isn't horrible. It stops the, um, early flyers deck that can get over you and, and beat you fast enough if you're not careful. Um, and it's not terrible to use to, um, to bump up with your plus one plus one counters um, are you playing uh best of three with sideboarding no i'm still best of one um cultivate uh is an uncommon that goes gets passed quite a bit i and goes really well in this deck um obviously the four matters stuff is important in this deck but th those things i'm finding are less important than i thought they were originally even if you have a lot of fours there's a couple cards that that's not true with um the Leafkin Avenger is actually a lot better than I originally thought it was, um, especially if you're playing fours. Um, this card on the end of your opponent's turn can tap for mana that have, you know, for however many creatures you have before or greater. And then you can use that mana for its ability to deal its power to opponent. And that, that combination of things is very relevant um, by turn seven, I would say. Yeah. Um, and so that card has just gone way up in value for me. Um, and especially if you're, if you're in that deck already and that card comes around or, or if you have a chance to get it early, I, th I, think it's, I think it's worth it. It's very good. So is the Onaki Ogre playable in this deck? Absolutely. Um, this deck I uh, went seven and one with that I'm looking at right now was, uh, had two of them. Um, it, it had one crash through one wildwood uh, scourge which uh, is great because you can get it out early and then buff it with your plus ones in all the different ways if you're playing that's that side of it or just wait and play it as a huge creature if it comes late 
Um, the Hobble Fiend, for obvious reasons. Scorching Dragonfire, for obvious reasons. Um, another card I see getting passed and not first picked and I don't understand is the Scavenging Ooze. Have you played with this card? It's a good card. It's in the cube. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's really good. I, I, I got passed to me, and so uh, anyway, uh, there it is. It's um, a t- a Titanic Growth, two Anaki Ogres, Spellweirder Gorge, which uh the, i struggled with putting in the deck but it ended up playing okay in the deck um i don't know i go back and forth with that card so much because of shock shock just really wrecks that card so what about the two three mana enchantments that draw you extra cards furious rise and garuk's uprising right so i, I you know i thought those were keys to this deck and in the beginning and I, it, while i think they're still good um I, I don't think they're the keys. Uh, I think that they're fine, um, especially if you're very creature heavy. Having one of the green, the Garooks, is, is pretty good. Um, you're pretty guaranteed to have a four on the board when you play it, hopefully, and, and then you draw the card and you give everything trample, which is pretty good. Um, the, the red one is also decent, but it, you don't get anything when you play it, so I, I don't like it as much. Okay. Um, the other cards that are really impressed me in this um, deck were cultivate. Uh, this card was very good in this deck. Um, uh, Radha, the heart of the Keld is also in this deck, which was lucky, but very good card. What does that one do again? As long as it's your turn, it has first strike. It's a three, three for three. Um, although it's, it's gruel colors and a colorless. Um, and then you may look at the top card of your library at any time. If it's a land, you can play it. Oh, that's good. That's, um, Oracle of Moldaya from the cube. Um, for s- the last thing it can do is for six, uh, gru- or sorry, for four colorless uh, gruel, you can um, deal, or I'm sorry, it gets a plus X plus X where X is the number of lands you control uh, and it has first strike when it's your turn. So ultimately it would be, you know, plus X, plus X, which is what your lands are at that point. It'd be a six. So it'd be a nine, right. nine, first, nine, nine, first strike. That thing's nasty. But that is not why it's in the deck. I mean, it's in the deck because it's dope. But my first pick was the Brash Taunter. And I've talked about this card. Um, as soon as I picked it, I just took every four or bigger. I, I loved having Garuk's Gorehorn in my deck. Let me just tell you, I loved having that card in this deck. Um, if you so, have it Brash- could, so it could fight your own creature, you mean? Oh, yeah. Um, okay. But the, the best thing, the, the, the wick, most wicked combination I did was... Now tell everybody my... again what this card does. Because okay, it is a rare, somebody may not know. It's a five drop for a 1-1 one, one indestructible goblin that uh, whenever it is dealt damage, it deals that much damage to target player. Um, and then for one red and two colorless, you can tap it and fight target creature. So... What you do is you get it in play, obviously. And if they attack you, you just block whatever their biggest thing is coming at you. You don't care if it has trample, whatever. Um, you're going to still deal that amount of damage back to them. Um, and then when it's your turn again, you still don't do anything. Um, you wait until the very end of their turn, and then you use it to ping their biggest thing. Basically, you know, if they have a five on the board, you can do 10 damage between their turn right. and your turn. So it's- One time it was played against me is basically once they got to that point in the game, you're talking about the end of my turn, yeah. I was dead because they did it end of my turn and then beginning of their turn, they did it again and I was dead. That's exactly what happens. Um, this card goes down. When I put this card down, almost every time I'm slightly behind, it immediately catches you up and puts you ahead. Now, Frost um, Breath will wreck this card. 
it's it is you know it's dangerous but if you keep your three mana up and you wait until they cast frost breath you can still fight one of their creatures which is devastating um anyway that card won me a few matches um the the nastiest combination like i said was tapping my six mana when i had 12 mana in play and making my three three a 15 15 and then fighting it and hitting them 15 damage killing them on turn or killing them that turn basically uh Um, hello yeah that was that felt pretty good um that deck was ridiculously good that that card is really really good uh and i highly recommend it the last next thing i want to just go into quickly is like the just the basic idea that i think red is really good mainly because of the removal that it has and also um it is extremely beneficial to the other two decks that I think are the best, which is green, red, and um, blue, red. Um, the only other decks that I'll play right now are blue, white flyers. I am off of black completely. I will I try my hardest not to play in anything with black. Um, and so, you know. Um, First pick, you got Veto, and you got, hmm, what's your best common? Your best common is going to be. God, I can't. I was going to give you the Land War Visionary, but that might be too good. Uh, crash through or opt? Your choice. <laughs> crash through, opt, or veto? Yeah. And and what is veto? The three one. Uh, veto is the one where you can give all your creatures life link, and every time you gain life, your opponent loses that much. And it's, it's a, a rare. Yeah. It's pretty good. I mean, it is that card. Part. That card is very, very good. Um, I'm just wondering if you'll never play black. Is what I'm trying to get at. Will you never play black? Is there no well, card that will make you get into black? It's funny you say that because the last black deck I played was a black green reanimator deck that had that card in it, and I went zero and three, and it was good. Like I had all the pieces that you want in that deck to make it good, and I got smoked. And I, it's just too slow. Yeah, um, it's just, just too one. slow. Best one is what I'm hearing out there on the other podcasts that the that this is one of the most uh, brutal formats against um, slower decks. If you're on the best of one ladder, if you go to best of three, apparently it's pretty different. I can see that. Um, yeah, I'm enjoying playing mid range and um, and then having it be very effective for me. So I find it interesting that you ended up in the same place everybody else did, even though you're not listening to the podcast right now. That's pretty cool. They're, they're the same one. Ethan Sachs got to, you know, all the way to Mythic uh, on best of one. And he was like, yeah, you just don't play black. <laughs> it's kind of like, true. He's like, that's the biggest thing. You just can't. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's all these things that make you want and think that you, and you'll lose to it every once in a while, right? Just a really sick black deck. But um, yeah, overall, no, I'm off of it big time. And, and shrines. Uh, have you had the, uh, at least the pleasure of playing against a sweet shrine deck lately? Anything on the shrine tip happening out there? One, only one time has it been effective against me. Um, and that includes just like playing the black and blue one together. Like every once in a while that comes together and works, but it's maybe like 2%. The, the one time I saw it work, it went literally went white, white, uh, white one drop into the black two drop into the green three drop into the blue four drop into the uh it was turn six when they put the five one down but that was just like okay good night <laughs> sounds fun i don't yeah. even know what that deck would start to do at that point i suppose you can tap anything for one mana yep. you can discard no you're not discarding cards but you're drawing like yeah, you are. three extra cards a turn four 
And you're actually oh. bring, you're bringing you're bringing when you have the fifth one in when you have the all five in you ch every turn you choose which um, enchantment you want from your graveyard or library. So sooner or later you have all six, and then it doubles each one of them. Yeah, uh, I know this really well because I'm playing a constructed. All I play right now is a, is that deck constructed. And oh really? I, I'm, it's it is so good. I I, I wasn't going to talk about it because I wanted to keep going on the ladder because I've been dominating with it. It's so good. Oh my god, it's so good. Um, yeah. Can I so tell everybody I, your list really quick? Yeah, just quick. Okay, so you want to play the two drop white um creature that uh, lets you um play enchantments for one less, and you want to play the green creature that every time you play an enchantment, it gets a plus one plus one counter, and you draw a card. Yep, I'm familiar uh, you, with those. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you play those two cards, and basically, um, a, a board wipe. So the red board wipe and the white board wipes. Okay. Um, and then all of the other cards in your deck are the. Um, Is it four of every shrine? Pretty much, yeah, yeah. There's a couple cards I'm not thinking of that are in there that are probably pretty important. But but it um, is four of of every shrine. You didn't cut any of them. Is I did. Right? I the well the the five drop. I think I only have three of the legend or the they're all legendary. The um the five color one. You mean? Correct. Okay. Cool. That sounds fun. And you oh, don't ever so run fun. into it. I haven't seen anybody else playing. <laughs> nice. I love that. I was like, that's that's great. I love that. <clears throat> it's fun. It's super fun. I, I have been actually having more fun with that than I could have ever dreamed possible. I was a little bored after my seven and one victory last night. So I had to, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. All right. Um, so enough about that and my thoughts on all that stuff. Um, um, also, I, I, I don't think people should be playing green blue. That's the other thing. Don't don't play Simic right now. I, I know it's so tempting and it seems like all these synergies and all this stuff. And then if you get the nuts deck, yeah, it's unbelievable. But there's too many uncommons needed to make it work. Don't don't play green blue. So I've okay. been saying from the very beginning, Sean. Ever yeah, since huh? day one, I've been saying that. What's up now? Actually, the very first uh day I played and we did the podcast about this set, I'm like, well, here's where I'm at. I'm pretty sure Red Black Sacrifice might be one of the best decks and uh, Big Green Stompy. And, uh, and I'm like, what about you, Sean? You're like, I don't know. It's kind of too early to tell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, funny. Um, all right. So Cube is what we're going to talk about next. And you have been just going, how, how many have you played since our last conversation? Uh, four, maybe? Four. Yeah, maybe four. And these are uh, MTGO, it's best of three cube drafts, Phantom. Cube, for anybody who doesn't know, is a, uh, it's a draft set that's been curated by Wizards over the years. It's called the Vintage Cube. The Vintage Cube uh, allows them to put in any card ever made that's not banned. You know, there's some cards that never can be played anymore. Remember those anti-cards, Sean? Yes. That, that were like, oh, you don't have to lose your ante because it used to be you'd play for the top card of your deck when you played somebody oh god yeah <laughs> so those all are banned so they're they're not allowed in any format but outside of those um vintage cube is where you can put in any card which they do so they put in you know the moxes and the black lotuses and time walks and all that stuff and um it's uh, one of every card that's in there and i i don't know the number of cards uh i was looking at the database today if i remember correctly it's somewhere in the 200s or 300s it's a number of cards that are in there 
and it's curated pretty delicately to allow all these different archetypes to thrive as long as you get in the right lane and get some of the right cards. Uh, one trick is that anytime a table of eight people opens and drafts a cube, they're not going to see every card in the cube. They're only going to see uh, a certain percentage of it. I don't know the exact percent, but I think it's maybe, let's say, somewhere around 70. It's a really rough estimate. Um, so you can't count on every card being opened. And uh, right now, it's on MTGO. They only put it on there usually like twice a year, but they're making some exceptions right now because of COVID, because uh, some people love it so much. But, you know, because they only put it on twice a year is also one of the reasons it's so special and why when it's on, people really get after it. Uh, so you'll see a lot of the top streamers uh, doing this right now, like LSV, that's, uh, he's posting tons of cube videos right now, which I've been watching. Because uh, he's my favorite to watch. And it's, uh, as far as watching people play Magic, LSV playing Cube is uh, top notch for me. Um, the other thing that is true about this set is that you can't get multiples, right? So if, if I choose a Mox Diamond and pack one, I know I'm not going to see another one. Right, uh, because there's only one of each card in the Cube. And you know what cards are going to be in there, you know, assuming that they get opened. It's not like you're going to open the cube tomorrow and all of a sudden there's this new card in there you've never seen before by chance. That's, you know, the whole thing's curated just like any set magic set. I like it. I like it. Okay. And so um, it's this trip typical draft style. You open a pack, pick a card and pass it. That's the way it goes. And then you try to build your very best deck. And, and so now we're going to talk about what you think are the top 10 best number one first pickables. Um, which is kind of a crazy thought, right? Because, I mean, legitimately, all these cards are ridiculous. Um, it's just a, like a matter of how ridiculous are we talking? And then what you're saying now is, I've, I've experienced this enough to know now that these 10 cards actually have a much bigger play than, than any others. Yeah, it's interesting. I didn't come up with kind of the list I thought I was going to end up with. But what I tried to do is come up with a list of the 10 cards that I would kind of most want to see I suppose is the way I approached it because with some of them I was like well this isn't you know maybe that maybe there's a card more powerful but as far as a first pick this is what I want you know because that's part of what goes into drafting right it's that you kind of want the card you can put in any deck too sometimes um, or sometimes you do want that hit it out of the ballpark card where if the deck comes together it's just crazy good but I definitely uh, didn't come up with a, the type of list I expected. And I think it's going to be telling of how at least I approach the cube. So I'm going to go ahead with that being said and put a guess on the f fact that the, it's going to be 60% blue cards. <laughs> It'll be 30% black. Yeah, yeah. And we'll white. say white, white will be in there for and me. 10. Yeah. As Green will control. be... Green might be 1%, like they, maybe none. They're, they're you may know what, Sean? Card. I think a green ramp is my favorite deck in this format. What? It's so easy to understand once you start to play it that I like playing it. As far as somebody, because I still consider myself a beginner. You know, there's these people out there like LSV and Caleb MTG and Kenny the Pig and all these guys who are always in the top and uh, who are so good. I'm not one of those people. Um, but I watch those people and I've been playing and doing good enough where I think I can help people out. Okay, so let's talk about Kenny the Pig. <laughs> Kenny the I'm Pig's just, good, I, man. He's always on top, man. He's always on top of the leaderboard. The leaderboard is the way MTGO works is when you do these best of three drafts. Uh, when you go 3-0, and you get a trophy. 
And so it tracks who has the most trophies and that's the leaderboard. And Kenny, the pig is always up there. All right. Well, let's get, let's get like Kenny and let's okay. do this. Let's do it. Um, first of all, uh, I started with a list of 10. Uh, but you know, I took a, I looked at a lot more cards than that and I started with a much bigger list than that and had to whittle it down. So then I thought, you know what, I really should put in 10 honorable mentions as well that I just won't go into as much. Right. Oh, and then I thought, okay. well, I, I also have to tell people, you know, what the power nine are all about because oh they God. have to, they, they are the top 10. So I'm obviously does... not going to list those. Wait a minute, so wait a minute. I have to tell, it... hold on, hold on, hold on. And then there's more. I also have to tell people about the signets because they're oh so God. easy to be first pickable, even though they're not like the top picks, but they're very first pickable. So really, Sean, this is top 40 oh. picks in cube. Oh. Top 40, which is not helpful. That's not helpful. Well, we're going to get through 30 of them real quick. That is not helpful. All right, Top signets. 40. All right, signets. Here we go. Uh, there's 10 signets. Well, one for every on. color pair. What is it? What's a, what is a signet? I'm going to tell you. What is it? They're two mana artifacts. Okay. They come into play untapped. And for one colorless mana, you can mm -hmm. tap them and produce mana of two different colors depending okay. on the signet you got so if you have the azorius signet it produces uh white and blue okay are these first pickable yeah they're all pretty first pickable and they're some of the most boring first picks but the fact that they're colorless and that they're turned to ramp uh they're all first pickable okay if, so it's like when in doubt take a signet if you're like i don't know what to do if you had no none of your top 10 bombs right um, you, no power you, nine no power nine you'd consider the signets for sure and sometimes okay. when i panic i take the signets and i think some of the best ones like if it has blue in it they're, they're always good right 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 uh so yeah signets are good uh and that's 10 of them right there see we're already down to 30 sean okay done knocked out those 10 yep that All aren't right. better than your first pick 10 okay got it now i think we better get the power nine out of the way let's get those power nine and these are judged by who? People like LSV and Kenny the Pig? These were called the Power Nine way back in the day. I don't know who coined the phrase, but they're the nine most powerful cards in Magic. It, so, and that's, it's quote, that, unquote. I, that's not actually true. Over time, we've learned that, that maybe Soul Ring, for example, should be in the Power Nine. But anyway, way back in the day, they said these are the Power Nine. And they okay. are. Yeah. Uh, one mox for every color. These are zero mana artifacts that come into play untapped that you can tap for one color of each mana, depending on which one you get. Okay. Um, they're all amazing. It doesn't need to be in your color for you to take it. If you're building a red aggro deck and you get the green one, fine. Take if it. If it says First mox, pick. take it. Take it. No, not that's not true. There are some moxes in this set, chrome mox, mox diamond that only go in certain uh, decks. Don't be fooled by the fact that they have the word mox in their name. Okay. Okay. Uh, so the next, uh, yeah, so the ones you care about are the ones that produce what the I forget what the, the Jet Opal, uh, damn it, Ruby, right? Jet yeah. Opal, Emerald. Ruby, Emerald, thank you, and Pearl. Saf Pearl. Pearl, I think. Wait, Sapphire, you're right. Sapphire. Sa so I said one of them wrong. Anyway, there you go. There's your, uh, it's not Opal. It's not Opal. I don't, well, Sapphire is probably blue. Sapphire is blue. Yeah. Anyway, everybody knows what they are. I don't have to remind people what the five moxes are so then you got the black lotus right zero mana sacrifice it and uh it produces three mana of any color um most expensive card in magic this is um arguably not better than the five moxes even though it's the most po powerful card in magic 
the moxes are usually going to be more consistent cards for your deck unless you're going storm or um some other big huge ramp deck okay uh next you have time walk one blue one colorless take another turn yep next you have ancestral recall one blue target player draws three cards instant yep and finally, you have Time Twister, one blue, two colorless. Uh, players discard their hands, uh, shuffle their graveyard into their library, and draw seven new cards. This oh. is easily the most, the least powerful out of the uh, nine in cube, just because it only goes in certain decks, whereas all the other ones go in any deck. Okay, got it. Woo! That was a lot, huh? That's a lot. But guess what? We only have 21 left now. I kind of feel sick to my stomach, actually. <laughs> when you think music and you think 21, what do you think of, Sean? Oh, boy. Well, it depends. 21, I think of 31, 21. But you're not going to know that. No, I don't. You're yeah, right. And you didn't give me the answer I expected. I either expected you to say pilots or savage and you just went down the third road and i love that about you you're ready for the top 21 cards in cube sean well before we do i really highly suggest everybody go listen to 3121 by prince when they get the opportunity yep go do it you will not regret it okay Ooh. go ahead ha! <laughs> all right here's what i want to do here's we're going to go over the top 10 right now sean okay and we're, we're going to leave the the honorable mentions for afterwards for a reason. I, th I think they're better to mention after we go through the top 10. Okay. I might shut it down as soon as you get done with the top 10 and be like, hey, that's all we need. But we'll see. I just realized my top 10 is a top 12. There's all kinds of problems oh, here, Sean. Oh, <clears throat> Are you ready? No. Okay, we're going to bundle. We're, number we're 27. Let's start gonna, with number 27. Bundling the first two together. Going to call it number 10. You ready? <laughs> okay, number 10. Mind Twist uh -huh. and Hymn of Turok. And why, him, why, why, are we, Turok. I'm sorry. Why, are, why are we doing that together? Okay, so either of them. You don't have to have them together. Mind Twist is one black X sorcery target player discards X cards at random from his or her hand. Mm -hmm. Hymn to Turok is black black sorcery target player discards two cards at random. Yep. Okay, so one big thing in cube is uh, you're allowed to disrupt your opponent's hand early, especially with lands. And normally in limited sets, you don't see that anymore. They don't make it so you can actually get lands out of your opponent's hand on like turn two right. because it's so such a feel bad to your opponent because usually it leads to non-games. That's right. Um, so there's two things going on here. Him to Turok really does that thing. It makes it so on turn two, you can be extremely disruptive because making them discard two cards with your one is already good, but making them discard two at random sometimes just wins you the game right there. Okay. It, I just, can see it, that. it just disrupts their hands so much. If they get rid of a land or the wrong land or the wrong card, you know, they, they got rid of the one card that they're about to ramp into. It's just game over a lot of times. In other words, you could basically, you could basically say you Turoked them. <laughs> That's exactly what you could say. All right. Um, this isn't like the number one card I want to see, but I'm happy to first pick a card like this, and I'm not worried at all that, oh, darn it, this is my first pick. Uh, because all... it's one of those cards that just yeah. can win you the game on turn two. Yeah, you could you also say I two 
rocked them. Oh no. Uh, the other one, mind twist. Uh, black and X target player discards X cards at random from his or her hand. Uh, this is one's a little different. This one, you're usually going to start to take mana rocks and uh, mana accelerant to go along with a card like this because a lot of times then on turn three, you're making them discard three or four cards and that's also just game over. Does hatred in, made it, make it its way into this set? No, hatred is not in this cube. How, how can that not be considered one of the top cards? Well, you have to understand that the cube isn't necessarily just the most powerful cards ever. It's the most powerful cards ever that can fit together in these nice archetypes that they've curated. And killing somebody on turn two is not considered that archetype? It's not, it's not oh. one of the classic archetypes. I don't like that. That's <clears throat> All right, I'll write to them. Don't worry. Okay. Anyway, moving on. He's going to live with it. He's going to live with it, people. Okay. You ready for the next one, Sean? Mm -hmm. I kind of like this bundling thing here where we just kind of put some together into groups because I think it makes it easier to understand because really the next three I think I can put together in a group. Okay, we're, there's our tiers now. We're talking about tiers. Right, but the thing is these three might be the three I want to see the most. Why don't we save them? Okay. Let people start thinking, what could be the three cards that I the maybe want tier. to see the most? What are the top? What's in our top tier of tiers? Right. So we're going to save those three. Okay, let's move on to Strip Mine, Sean. Okay. Out of all the land destruction cards, uh, this mm -hmm. is number one. You can tap it to add a colorless mana, or you can tap it to sacrifice it and destroy a land of your choice. Yep. What's unique about this is it's land of your choice. It's not non-basic land of your choice, which is what every other land destruction card that's stuck on a land says. Right. This one doesn't have that restriction. It's any land. Right. So if, they have a, if they're playing white-blue and they only have one white mana in play and it's a, a regular planes, you can still destroy it and wreck them. Yeah, and usually a very big deal. Um, just like you said, you take away their one source in a certain color. This works really good if you're in a mono-colored deck because you can afford to put a colorless land in your deck. Um, it's very good in mono-white and mono-red aggro because you can tap it for mana um, early on and then after you get out like your three drop then on turn four you can blow up their land and stop them from ever getting their five drop out to stabilize uh, this also works incredibly well with cards like uh, renin six and uh, a couple other uh, green cards that can get uh, cards back out of your graveyard uh, as well as a uh, crucible of worlds to get uh, land cards back out of your graveyard. There's a lot of ways to get lands back out of your graveyard. And if you first pick this, you're looking for any of those highly because every turn you can just kill one of their lands. Uh, it's just so, so powerful. I like that. You like that kind of deck? That's your style right there. Uh, yeah, I guess it is. It's, it's like, you know, when you play against a really good mill deck and you just don't do anything but draw lands. <laughs> Just, you know, it's, it's funny that people get mad about, you know, would get mad about destruction of land because it leads to a no game when kind of there are so many decks that lead to a no game. It's just a matter of you feeling like you're right. playing something when you're really not, you're not doing anything. Yes. You know, most control decks do that to you. Like, oh, look, I'm doing great. And then like all of a sudden you're not. Right. So, yeah. Anyway, it's just I find that interesting. Uh, no, you're right. And I'm sure game designers are right there with you. They're trying to figure out the psychology of why certain types of losses feel worse for people than others. And you're right. Land destruction seems to be one of the worst for magic players. Hmm. Um, speaking of lands, how about another land as a top pick that I want to see, Sean? Okay. Yeah. Lands. How about a library of Alexandria? Ooh. I believe in real life, this was destroyed uh, and was one of the biggest archives of human knowledge. Uh, 
And when it was destroyed, a lot of that was lost. Supposedly. One of the seven wonders of the world. So it's a land that you can tap to add a colorless mana, or you tap and draw a card, activate this ability, only if you have exactly seven cards in your hand. Mm. That's just amazingly powerful. So you love to see this in your opening hand. And a lot of times you'll skip a one drop, even if you have it, just to start off with having one extra card in your hand all the time. That way, from then on out, you're always drawing a card and playing a card every turn and eventually starting to play two cards once you get your engine going. A mm. um, couple tricks with this card is you don't, if you've, let's say you're on the draw, right? And you play this and you still have seven cards in your hand. You don't want to activate this immediately because you're going to go to your discard phase. You're going to want to activate this at the end of your opponent's turn. Mm-hmm. Also, you have to do some interesting math in your head sometimes uh, when you're in a card draw deck that also has this to try to end up with seven cards in your hand and then activate this you know, before using one of those cards to go back down because having seven cards in your hand and this on the board is so incredibly powerful together. Makes sense. Uh, so yeah, this is just a powerhouse. If I see my opponent play this on turn one, I know I'm in big trouble. And it also works pretty darn good in Reanimator because sometimes you want to skip your... It just works out really well to skip playing anything on your first or second turn. Actually have so many cards, you have to discard. Discard your ridiculously powerful creature and then next turn you're off to the races and reanimating it. Is Energy Field in this set? Uh, No. Hmm. You should, what does that card do, Sean? Let everybody know. It's a it's a two drop that it basically says that all damage dealt to you is reduced to zero uh, if you discard a card or if any if anything uh, goes to the graveyard, then you have to exile um, that the, that card. Next card. It's another land, ancient tomb, Sean. We collected mm-hmm. Tempest, so I bet you got a little stack of these. I do. Yeah, they're only worth like. 40 bucks a piece now, Sean. Mm, I think I have six. Yep. Figured you did. Figured you did. I happen to still have some because they were uncommons. I sold off right. all my rares and mythics, but this was an uncommon back in the day. So you're, you got a couple. Nice. I do. I do. Uh, okay. Ancient Tomb. It's a land. You tap it and it says add two colorless mana to your mana pool. Ancient Tomb deals two damage to you. Yep. Can you see how this could be powerful? Yes. Yeah, it's just, I mean, you play your mana rock on turn one. You just, one thing I'm learning about this set as I went over all these cards is I saw a million four or five and six drops that are extremely powerful. And I kept not picking them to put them in the top 10 because there's so many of them and they're all so good. Really what you want the most are some of the cards that can allow you to play them a turn early because you have so many choices of them, but you don't have a ton of cards that you allow you to play a turn early or even two turns early. Um, you know, a Signet can let you do it one turn early, but some of these cards let you do it even two turns early, and then you're really in business. It's also about having the mana to, to cast multiple different spells because, as we were saying last episode, seemingly when you're getting later picks, there's still unbelievably bombs coming to you, and you're like, oh, well, I can totally play that because I picked up the fixing earlier. Yep, exactly. And just any card like this all of a sudden makes like a, tireless tracker better which is just uh it's a really solid card in green you know it's not the best card but it's just very solid you want it in any green deck and it allows you to play it on turn two which is just a huge play being able to play these very solid three drops on turn two 
with a card like this. You know, you can't necessarily do that with a Signet because you can't even play that until turn two. With this, you play it any turn. It's untapped, it's off to the races, and it can do some really broken things. Uh, you are taking damage, which sometimes I forget about that. And I'm like, I don't have to look at my life. My opponent's barely been hitting me. And next thing I know, I look at my life and I'm at one. And I'm like, oh my God, I've been using this thing like every turn. I gotta stop it. Dead. I gotta die. Uh, so super good card. Plus it just keeps you open to any color. So I love first picking that card. All right. I can see that. All right. Speaking of mana accelerants. So now we're going to get into a, a, a deck or a card or two that actually puts you into a deck a little more. And uh, there's this card called Rafelos Lanawar Emissary. And uh, Sean, I didn't know about this card because it was while we were gone from Magic. And I kept hearing... LSV be like, oh, Rafelos. <laughs> He'd be like, oh, oh, we got past Rafelos. We're in business. It's it's kind of the card you want in your green ramp deck. Uh, the dr green ramp deck wants two things. It wants enablers and it wants payoffs. And maybe it's because I've been playing green ramp a lot, but I put one of each in this top 10. There's the top green payoff that I want to see that really makes me want to play that deck. And there's the top enabler that makes me want to pay it. This is the top enabler. Um, you know, close behind it, I would say, is Gaia's Cradle, which is in my honorable mentions. But Rafelos is a 2-1 for 2, where you can tap it and add one green mana to your mana pool for every forest you control. Yeah, This thing can just uh, create ridiculous amounts of mana so quickly, especially since green also has ways of ramping lands into play pretty early with like Sakura Tribe Elder and Cultivate and things like that. And so this is probably the best way to start generating, you know, I don't have the exact numbers for you, but sometimes it feels like, you know, on turn three, you're making like seven mana sometimes. And on turn four, you're making like eight, eight nine, you know, it's just, you start doing these ridiculous things uh, with these uh, green ramp decks and Rafelos is the key to do it in my opinion. Um, is, is the mono green the deck it really wants to be in? Is that what you're aiming for? Uh, as far as me looking for a deck, well, I mean, as, if you're if you had the option with that card, I mean, seemingly if if it's green mana that it's um, this is it only wants to be in that deck, I would say. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the, uh, there are some very strong archetypes in this set. You can play around a bit too, like you can make a good stuff deck with pockets of synergy. But there are some very obvious archetypes in this deck that couldn't be more clear what they're telling you to do. And green ramp is one of them. They put like. Uh, five or six uh one mana green mana dorks in this set mm -hmm. so it just could be more obvious that they're telling you there's a green ramp uh deck here and rafelos is the card you want that can make it just get ridiculous okay okay well let's go right to the top payoff in green then if i open crater hoof behemoth to me that's one of the very few big creatures in this set that i want to first pick um because there's just ways to get it out in green uh, with some mana dorks on the board and it just does ridiculous things so this is a five and three greens so eight mana for a five five haste it says when crater hoof behemoth enters the battlefield creatures you control gain trample and get plus x plus x until end of turn where x is the number of creatures you control and so this deck ramps with creatures so usually by the time you play this you already have a bunch of creatures um and uh you just you just win the game every time you play this you know it's hard to describe the math and how big these things get because even when i originally looked at this card i'm like oh okay so my guys get plus two plus two or plus three plus three well it's usually bigger than that and you'd be surprised how quickly that just is end of game 
especially since they all get trample as well. Um, this also gets the plus X plus X. Uh, this card's amazing. Uh, you can get it out with a green sun Zenith or other ways of just searching up creatures in that green deck. Uh, you can do like a natural order and you know, when you get this thing on the board, uh, it's game over, baby. Nice. Very nice. All right. Well, as long as we're talking about big creatures, Sean, how about we talk about a card called the Grave Titan? I would say this oh, is yeah. the other big creature that if I f- open a pack and I see it there, I'm like, okay, I'll first pick a green, a big creature. There's not many big creatures in the set I want to first pick. I'd rather pick up an early mana accelerant or something like that or an enabler or a power nine. But um, if I see Grave Titan, I'm pretty happy. And this is a uh, four colorless black black for six, six death touch. When Grave Titan enters the battlefield or attacks, put two plus, put two, two, two black zombie creatures onto the battlefield. Um, that enter the battlefield trigger is huge. Um, there's a lot of creatures in this set that come into play and, and do something when they come into play, but this one adding a couple bodies to the board is so enormous and nothing gets through this thing. And as soon as it starts attacking, it's usually game over. This is another card that when I first saw it, I'm like, oh, sure, that looks good. And then uh, when people start playing, every time somebody plays this against me, I'm basically dead. Usually even if I can one-for-one kill the Grave Titan right away, I'm usually dead anyway from the two zombies they got, incidentally. Um, It's just such a good card. And if they start attacking with it, forget about it. Nasty. Nasty boys don't mean a thing. Okay, and then here's a card that LSV will not stop talking about it, so I better put it in the top 10 or he's going to troll me. This is Fractured Identity, three colorless, one blue, one white sorcery. Exile, target, non-land, permanent. Each player, each other player, then its controller creates a token that's a copy of it. So all this is, Sean, is a five mana steal your something card, but it's very sweet in the fact that if the creature's tapped, it's not tapped when you get it because it's exiled and it comes back into play. If they have a way to bounce it back to their hand, that's not going to happen because their creature is now gone and you have a token that belongs to you. And if that creature has a come into play ability, uh, you're going to get it because your token's going to come into play. And it doesn't even have to be a creature. This is any permanent. So this card is amazingly versatile and pretty much puts you ahead in any board situation unlike any other control magic could possibly do that is a very good card quite good all right sean i don't know what number we're on but now we're bundling probably the three cards i want to see the most when i first open it up tier one they're tier one baby this is what i want to see i mean mox is first but um soul ring one colorless mana tap add two colorless mana this might be better than every card, honestly. This might be better than all the Power 9. Uh, I think there's an argument for it. The fact that it's colorless and it adds a mana the turn it comes into play is no other. It's, it's, it's so damn good, Sean. It's very good. It's very good. Nobody's going to argue with us on this one, Sean. Next, we have That's, Mana is that from Is that from Urza's? I don't know what it's from, but they're not cre- for being basically part of the Power 10, I would say. Yeah. Uh, it's not expensive. They've reprinted it a million times. You can get them for a couple bucks. I remember that card in conjunction with Ring of Gix, and there was this other card. Uh, I can't remember what it did, but it was those three cards were ridiculous together. Anyway, I know it was in those early sets, those fifth editions, and and revised. I think and all that because it was a picture of that big like red and yellow flaming circle. 
Remember that? Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. I have though. It's in third edition for sure. You're right. So then I got uh, Mana Crypt, a card I believe you could only get by mailing something in. Like you had to cut off the back of a cereal or something and mail it in. I don't know. You had to mail something in, some like magazine or something. And you could get this Mana Crypt, which was zero mana. Uh, for an artifact, at the beginning of your upkeep, flip a coin. If you lose, take three damage. But this thing taps for two colorless mana. So it's the same thing as Soul Ring, but it costs zero mana. And the downside is you have a 50% chance of taking three damage every turn, which is pretty much doesn't matter because you're going to cast something so sweet on turn two or turn three that your opponent's you know, going to be like, oh boy, what do I do now? <laughs> yes, I remembered what it was. It was Mana Vault. That's um, it. That's my next card, Sean. Yeah, that's the card that you used with Ring of Gix and the other because it untapped both. Yeah, so good segue. Next card, I probably want to see it third most out of these three. I want to see the other two more, but this card is also amazing. For one mana, um, you get an artifact that can tap for um, three. three. But then it has all this extra text. At the end of your upkeep, if it's still tapped, you take a damage and you have to pay... Uh, how much mana to untap it? Four. You have to pay four to untap it. And none of that's really important. What you do with this card is you just play it on turn one and then you do something super sweet on turn two. You play a five drop on turn two and then yep. you just kind of win the game, right? That's, yep. what, that's what this card does. And you usually don't really worry about untapping it. That's not the point with this card. Right. Unless you have the Ring of Gix. Right. Or, or you play your, um, what was the card I mentioned earlier? You play your Grave Titan on turn three and then your opponent says, oh, darn it. <laughs> Oh, oh no oh no turn three. turn three. Oh god oh no that's a six six and just made a couple two twos oh no i hope i have a board wipe oh boy yeah so that's it sean those are the cards i want to see the most i have some honorable mentions but any any other thoughts there i mean one thing i thought was crazy is there's not a lot of big bomby creatures but these are the cards i want to see I think that that actually makes the most amount of sense. When you listen to really smart people play Magic, the thing that they seem to be beating into all of our heads all the time is how important your mana distribution and your land is and how those cards always make your deck, regardless, period, end of story. You're not going, well, the synergy's not here. It's still a body. You know, you're saying, this is, I need this in order to cast all of my spells. Um, and I also think, well, you know, one of the greater lessons I've learned from listening to really good players play is that when they're staying open in the beginning and seeing what lane they should be in, the payoffs at the end are so much better than when you don't do that, that um, it's a huge difference. It's, between, it's a difference between a two to three win deck and a six and seven win deck. Yeah, I think that's a great way to put of putting it. Because, uh, yeah, they, they are going to get in the right lane and they're going to get the payoffs late. I keep mentioning Ly Lyra Dongbringer, but I think that's a great example of a card that does not get picked highly at all in cube because there's just so many other good five drops. Um, uh, there's a million cards like it that you can just snatch up late. Right, and so the value of, the, the value of those cards over the set is, is just averaged out. Um, Whereas having the ability to play those, like you said, a turn early or play them at all, or when it's pack three and you're being passed all these bombs that nobody else can get into their deck and you're like, well, I have all the mana sources, so yeah, it's not a problem. I can choose any one of these three cards, which one works best with my deck. I think that's when you're building your very best decks. Sean, I think we should make quickly make this uh, top 60 
And I should give honorable mention to uh, 20 more cards, which are the 10 dual lands and the 10 fetch lands. Okay. They're just, they're just so easy to first pick and they're going to go into so many decks. Um, they're, they're your safe uh, eating your vegetable picks. So any land that says you can pay one life and then go search for a basic land, they give you two different options of two different types. And any land that just comes into play untapped and is two different types of lands, it, all, all 20 of those are first pickable in a pinch if you don't know what yeah. to do. But, so I'm going to go over the last uh, 10 honorable mentions, Sean, and I'm not even going to read what they do. This okay. is just for people who, hey, they opened their pack and they didn't see anything that I mentioned. So I'm going to throw another quick uh, couple names out there for everybody. Okay, ready to go. Grim Monolith. Basalt Monolith. These are all things that create mana. Yep. Worm Coil just a, Engine. Just a theme here. Worm Coil Engine's a big artifact creature. Uh, Gaia's Cradle. Oh my God, that card. Primeval Titan. Big Stompy Green. Oko, Thief of Crowns. I thought that was banned. Uh, it's you can have a one of in the old formats in the vintage. In vintage, nothing is banned unless it's um like one of those anti cards. That's the whole thing about vintage is you can play anything you want. Now there's cards you can only play one of, but nothing's completely banned unless it says anti on it or um or if it says Luris on it. <laughs> Luris got banned. <laughs> or wait, maybe it didn't once they eradicated it. I don't know. Anyway, moving on. Um, and then finally, uh, the last two honorable mentions. I keep mentioning there's a red aggro deck and a red and a white aggro deck. These decks are also very good, but I haven't mentioned any cards that go in them. One of the reasons they're so good is once you're in the deck, nobody else is in them, and you just get all the cre cheap creatures, and they're just they make sweet decks, and you don't need the huge payoffs because they're just they plow people over. But here's a couple quick hits from those two decks that if you see these, you're like sure because those are some of the best ones in red. Goblin Rabble Master and Eidolon of the Great Revel. In white, Thalia, Guardia of Thraben, and Brimaz, King of Oraskos. Woo! Did it, Sean. Top 60 cards that you want to open in cube, Sean. We did it. That is fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Um, before we wrap things up completely, I want to remind everybody that on Sundays, we get together as a group, meaning the people who are patrons, who we always want to say thank you very, very much to and have become a community and creating this sort of friendship is, is uh, something that we set out to do from the get-go and has started to become reality. Um, and one of the ways in which we're finding it better and better and we have chat and all that stuff is on Sundays we get together and do a draft. Um, our patrons get invites first and then if we don't fill up, we start to send it out to the rest of the public. Um, uh, so what I would like to propose is that we get some more people involved that way um, and join us on Sundays for those drafts are a lot of fun. Hang out in our discord and just listen to what, we're, what we have going on if you want. And if you don't want to participate, you can just listen. That's fine too. Um, um, so again, that's on Sundays and that's going to be this Sunday. As far as I know, we're still on for that this Sunday, correct? Nope. I have, uh, well, as people goes. heard in the last podcast. <laughs> It's serious business. I got to attend on Sunday, unfortunately. And who knows, you know, if, if y'all listen to the last episode, uh, I'm dealing with stuff. I'm actually mentally doing quite a bit better than the last one. Uh, one thing you may have learned about me is I'm a crier. I'm halfway through Peanut Butter Falcon, the movie right now, Sean. I've cried five times. Yeah, my brother told me I needed to watch that. Whew. I'm a crier. And in the last episode, I cried quite a bit because uh, uh, I've had a 
personal family tragedy and uh, I have a funeral funeral to go to Sunday and I may even have one the Sunday after that. We will see. Okay. So on that note, um, then let's just look forward to when that time will happen again, when it can yes. occur again. Yes. Um, I'm looking forward to when it will happen again. And I'm still grateful that uh, last weekend as a uh, respite, uh, Will and Corey and you played Dominaria Sealed with me. That was great. That was fun. Okay. Um, and so the only other thing that I wanted to bring up was, I don't think there was anything else. Is there any artists we want to shout out? Anybody you've been listening to? Anything that has been piquing your interest? Um, yeah, it's called uh, Peanut Butter Falcon. There it is. And it's uh, absolutely beautiful. Uh, I'm a big Shia LaBeouf fan. have been since even Stevens. You know, not so much during the Transformers movies, but they were fine. But some of the movies this guy's been making lately is uh, good stuff, Sean. Uh, you got to see Honey Boy. You got to see Peanut Butter Falcon. You got to see American Honey. He's making very good movies. Okay. All right. American Honey, huh? American Honey is another good one. It's about uh, kids in the South selling door-to-door magazine subscriptions. Okie doke. I like it. I like it. I like it. Um, and Honey right. Boy is a biography about him as a kid when he was on the Disney show Even Stevens and what his real life was like during that time period. And he plays his dad in the movie, and it's absolutely beautiful. Um, I've been watching this series called Red Oaks with my wife, and it reminds her of her where she grew up and kind of how she grew up, and it's in the 80s. And so... Uh, you know our childhood and um it is actually a pretty fantastic show uh, the characters are believable the actors are really good and uh, i don't know just a, something to pass the time i suppose i'll give it a look i'm looking for something sounds good okay um let's wrap things up say Ooh. goodbye everybody. we really do appreciate everything Ooh. that Listening out there, uh, made it all the way to the end. Uh, Ooh, the we, dragon. we love having you along for this crazy ride. Um, we haven't said it in a little while, but we really, really hope that everybody is healthy and safe and that all your families are well and taken care of. And, uh, you know, peace be with you. That's right. All right. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.